2: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
1: the Talksport sport fan network is proudly supported by muck delivery bringing you the food you love muck delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door no matter the results you'll always be winning with muck delivery so the only thing left to say is you in Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Good morning, Nathan here. A quick new intro because this, what time is it now as I'm speaking to you here? It is 5.18am. I'm sat in my kitchen. I'm editing after my overnight shift. So don't say, don't do anything for this podcast, not putting in that work. Um, a quick disclaimer to say that the original chat here with James um, was recorded before Mullen had tweeted and announced that he'd been discharged from hospital. So if you've been following us, you'd have seen that Rob and Red put out the exclusive picture of Mullen in San Diego up and about, um, which was great news to share. Uh, I know a lot of people were delighted by that, and then he announced that he'd been discharged and you know, was focused on his recovery. So fingers crossed it's not as bad as first feared and Mullen will be back on the mend in no time. But yeah, that's the caveat. This was recorded before we knew that Mullen had been discharged from hospital and was very much on the mend. Um And also, since we recorded, Rich has been in touch from the departure lounge in Tokyo airport. And so you will hear from him as well. He has sent a little segment over. So without further ado, let's get into the show.
4: Rob Bile.
3: Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Rob Ryan Red podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Back from the States, unfortunately. So not in San Diego, not in Philadelphia to end the tour. Rich is no longer in Japan either. He's on the move. He's heading to South Korea. So I'm sure we'll hear all about that trip when he's back covering Manchester City. For those asking how he's getting on, he's doing fine. I think he's trying not to spend all his yen in the Nintendo store last time I checked with him. But instead, able replacement James Kelly, friend of the podcast, is on to talk through no less than injury to Paul Mullin, which has lit up Twitter and all the radio stations. Ticketing and how fast all those tickets are selling out um, and the season ticket exchange. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Adran Premier with another friend of the show, Megan, who's going to talk us through what Wrexham can expect in their first season in the Adran Premier. But James, how are you doing, firstly?
0: I'm doing very well, yeah. Thanks for uh, for having me on. I feel like it's a sort of thing where yeah, I've been very jealous, kind of in our group chat, hearing about obviously you being in the States and Rich being off as well. And I, I've been in London and it's raining. So, yeah, slightly different surroundings, but um, I'm very much looking forward to this. Even though, as you say, the main talking point is rather sad, bomb, really with Mullen getting injured. But yeah, very much excited and good to be here.
3: Yeah, that's it. Rich is um, is it, Rich and, and James and I were in, in, in a group chat, and we were just you know humbly bragging about our trips, and uh, and James was just having to sort of suck it up as he was asking us whether we were off to Barrow and Wimbledon and other cold and rainy places. Um, only one place to start, though. Paul Mullen. I'm awake. I'm live-blogging the game. Um, he's running through on goal. Long ball over the top. Nathan Bishop, young Manchester United goalkeeper, rushes out, gets nowhere near the ball, gets smacked into Paul Mullin, who's only got eyes on the ball. Nasty, nasty collision. He stays down. What were your immediate thoughts when you watched it? Because watching it live, it it was really worrying to just see him not moving on the ground for a good few minutes.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's the sort of thing where um, I only saw it when I woke up this morning. So it was kind of, yeah, just cursory, just wake up having my breakfast on Twitter. And then obviously seeing the first thing that comes up and seeing the photo of him on, on the ground and thinking, Oh my God, what has, what has happened? Um, and then obviously finding out that he seems to be stable and okay. But I think, yeah, it's it's just the sort of thing where, like we were saying off air, he's obviously such a committed player that it's, if it was going to be anybody, it would be him because he's just always going to fight for every ball. And I think it's just, I I don't think the keeper's, he's not meant to do anything, has he? It's just unfortunate. He's obviously, he's going, going in for the challenge. It's not malicious in any way. It's just clumsy. Um, And unfortunately, yeah, it's obviously just done what it's done with his long, but it's just good to see that he's okay and seemingly gonna be fit for, you know, several weeks into the season.
3: Yeah, I mean that's the first thing. It's it's in my book it's not a it's not a malicious foul. He's not gone out with any intent to hurt Mullen. It's a stupid challenge to make him season I get that Eric Ten Hag's there on the bench, you wanna impress. I mean, and it was a feisty game. You know, we saw d Dan Gore, a youngster got sent off a studs on studs upon andy can i thought that was a little bit harsh in comparison to the bishop when there were other challenges you know yellows and and being dished out billy waters and i think McFadden was another who was who was shown a yellow i mean i had no issue when i saw the team with Mullins starting i know people retrospectively were saying that you know that Mullins shouldn't be playing against a kids team um i mean there was no issue when he played against la galaxy's youngsters um or, or some you know some of Chelsea's youngsters, and and ultimately you can't. Might, the way I've always said this on the podcast, I've said it a few times, is you can't run scared of injury. Injuries could happen. You know, you could you could trip down the step, you could trip down the bottom step and roll your ankle, and you know you're out for for weeks on end. So you know it's it's just massively unfortunate. But but what it's caused, the storm it's caused, is is unbelievable, isn't it? You know you've had. Manchester United having a go at, F- at Parkinson, claiming that he's inciting this hate against Bishop. You've had Foster coming out as a kind of goalkeepers union, defending Bishop, saying how gutted he is. You know, and Foster will know it's one of them things. I'm sure he's had incidents similar in his career. Bishop trying to reach out to Mullen. You know, Wrexham not interested in that point. Reynolds, you know, when we get into all of that. But, I mean, the reaction it causes now. I mean, Wrexham, in years gone by, James, if we'd have had this sort of injury, no one would have batted an eye. And now it's kind of headline news. I know there's the Manchester United effect to that, but, you know, this was all over the news when when people were waking up this morning.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was one of the main things, like I say, about going on Twitter, like going on the news apps, like the BBC, it was one of the main stories. And it's, I suppose it is just the thing we've obviously kind of got used to it now that we are just seemingly so important that people want to know about us, which, you know, it will always have that tinge of bizarreness to it. But... I, I think it is a sort of thing where, like we say, he's obviously not meant to do him any harm. And I think I think, yeah, the United effect is something obviously that is, you know, is going to amplify it more. I think also the fact that it's Mullen, I think I don't wanna sound bad, but I'd be interested, would would you think if it was another player, there would have been this same kind of storm around it? Because I don't think there would have been. It's
3: a good it's a, it's a good question. You're saying, you know, if it was, I mean, we don't need to pick out another player, that would be unfair. But, you know, I no. I I I can't. I, I think I agree with you as well. You know, it, it, this, is the, this is the talisman of the team. You know, this is the star man. I don't know. You you never know with Wrexham now because it just seems like there, there's so many people itching to see Wrexham fail and itching to see Wrexham. And people will call that, you know, a victim complex and all that. But you've seen from just some of the, the mentions on our podcast account, just the amount of people so glad to hear that Mullen is injured and some of the nonsense that, that we've seen written. I mean, for anyone who did miss it, and if you're in the rexosphere I don't know how you would have, but if you have, Mullen's got a punctured lung, which means that he won't be able to fly to Philadelphia. He probably won't be able to fly home for for maybe a week to, to let it settle. I mean, I've never known so many kind of experts. My Twitter's full at the minute of um, punctured lung experts, which is amazing. I didn't know so many existed in the Rexham area. Um I mean, what are, what are we looking at? Probably at best a month out and at worst eight weeks, two months? Is that probably what we're looking at?
0: Yeah, I think from what I've been reading, like you say, there's so many doctors suddenly coming out of the woodwork today on Twitter. But yeah, it seems as if the consensus is he'll miss the first, you know, I don't know what, five, six games. I think the important thing there as well is obviously the club won't want to rush him back because, you know, obviously footballing reasons as well but just health reasons as well you've got to make sure that the guy is all right you've got to make sure he's he's okay and he's recovered like you say obviously the whole thing about not being able to fly back yeah it's
3: um i mean let me just read something from foster then um foster's foster's words to nathan bishop so this is what foster said that he said to bishop at the end he said i feel so bad for nathan He's absolutely heartbroken. I passed Paul's number on to Nathan so he can get in touch with him. But, yeah, he's absolutely gutted. I feel for the lad. Um, Now, you know, a lot of the thing, James, a lot of the reaction was, oh, you know, this is this is Manchester United's kids. You know, why will Rex play this and that? It, you know, it's no big deal. It's a League Two team, yada, yada, yada. If the shoe had been on the other foot and this had been, you know, one of United's star players wiped out by ben foster or wiped out by um you know wiped out by foster wiped out by mark howard i'm pretty sure that that man united fans would have felt differently going into kind of you know the aftermath and and uh you know had this been on one of their star players i think united fans would have would have reacted very very differently and and not been as kind of dismissive as they have been as you know, Wrexham fans moaning about the Mullen injury.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? When it's almost like just because a player is of a certain stature, it's kind of make would make people be more annoyed almost. Because, as I say, at the end of the day, no one wants to see anybody have a punctured lung. Um, I, th- I think it's the sort of thing where I think with United, you know, obviously they're they're playing the kids, but I think you know there were players in that team that were on loan in the championship last season. I know they are the kids, but it's not as if they're a load of fourteen-year-olds who've, who've won a competition. These are people that have had full seasons. You know, for, is it Fernandes? I think the left back was at Preston last season. Will Fish was playing for Hibs. You've got Hannibal; he was at Birmingham. Like, they're players that are, you know, worth at least putting out a decent team and and trying to perform. Obviously, the other fact as well that. People have, have paid money to be there. People have travelled, as you saw over in the States, hours and hours just to go and see Wrexham, also see United, but to see Wrexham play. And I think it it would have been wrong to just turn around and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Just play play a few younger players, maybe Bickerstaff up front, don't play Modding at all, which obviously with hindsight would have made sense. But if the injury would have happened to bigger Staff, you'd you, be in the same position where, You'd, you'd have issues and, and people would obviously be looking at it and saying, you know, is, is it a bad challenge, is it not? Is, the storm would still be there, I feel. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things, really, where obviously with hindsight you can look at it and say maybe he shouldn't have been playing. But like you said, when it was LA Galaxy's second team, nobody said anything. So I think it's just one of those things, isn't it, really? Obviously, everyone's a genius with hindsight.
3: Right, right. And look, before we get on to kind of alternative options now, because he's definitely not going to play in that MK Dons game, much like Jordan Tonicliffe isn't going to play in that MK Dons game. This is what Nathan Bishop said, and he turned off his replies on this tweet, as you can imagine, given the kind of fume that was coming his way. He but just wanted to share my sincerest apologies to Paul Mullen, a complete misjudgment and a genuine accident with zero malicious intent at all. Wishing you the speediest recovery and hope to see you back scoring goals as soon as possible. I think that's pretty much a classy response I mean it, you know and, and I and I, I don't know I've never seen Nathan Bishop play before I know Rich hasn't it's a shame he's not here to maybe talk us through some of those United players but I, I, I'm gonna say I don't think um, I don't I, I totally agree with that I, I don't think there was any kind of ill will towards him and you know heat at the moment I also have no bad judgment against Parkey I he reacted exactly as I did and exactly as a lot of others did in the heat of the moment I'm sure when the dust settles Parkey's gonna look back and be absolutely fine with what he said you know he's just lost his star striker his talismanic figure you know what what do you want him what do you want him to come out and say what do you want him to come out and shake nathan bishop's hand or, or put his arm around him i mean ultimately you're not going to be very happy i'm human with it
5: i've got to be honest with you i thought it was like a clumsy reckless challenge pre-season game um yeah can't say any more on it i'm not, not happy with it at all the come over and apologize. I haven't seen the goalie, and uh, it's probably best to clear of this for the time being because we're not very happy. With
3: it. And the idea that when he said, you know, you should stay away, he said something along the lines of, you know, I think you should stay away for a bit, which has been interpreted as, you know, stay away from Wrexham. You're not kind of. I mean, I saw somebody say, you know, you're not safe in Wrexham. I mean, ultimately, this there was no there was no suggestion of a threat in in what Parky said at all, and. The idea of, you know, suggesting otherwise is just a- absolute nonsense, um, frankly. So, Parkey, and I also, I don't know if you saw this, James, did you see Laurie Walker, the Barnett goalkeeper, um, going fishing a little bit on Twitter this morning? Um, when, you know, because if you remember, it was Laurie Walker who um, went down, you know, clutching his head. Uh, were you at that game at Barnet? I wasn't there for that one, but I, I was, was right yeah. in front of the away and in McFadzie and ends up getting sent off.
0: Yeah, I mean, at the end as well, he was, you know, not to rake over sort of old coals as it were but yeah at the end he was properly giving fans a bit of a bit of stick and yeah obviously that annoyed park i mean i think like you say it's just in the heat of the moment he's going to react he's going to defend his players um and i think a few people i've seen have been looking at it and saying you know oh rexham are so arrogant they think they're now on a level with man united because of you know almost trying to create this rivalry it's just like well no it's it's nothing to do with that it's simply just as you say, he to the moment, you know in the same way he reacted against Barnett, Parkiess reacted just defending his player, and if people want to misinterpret it from my point of view, they're free to, but you know it doesn't really change change the narrative, does it
3: i mean i mean J- James, it's good to know that Phil Parkinson lives rent free in Laurie Walker's head. he thinks it's the other way round, but I mean if he's logged onto his Twitter. And search for a Beanie Man sports video that's got Phil Parkinson moaning about a game that has absolutely nothing to do with a non-league goalkeeper. Then crack on.
5: Hello, Kanichuwa from Japan. Actually, from the departure lounge of Narita Airport, I'm about to board a border flight to South Korea. I have not had the pleasure of being in the US with Naif on pre-season this summer, but I have been and am away in Asia covering Man City and heard that manchester united recently played a game against a team very close to our heart i did watch a bit of that game it was on at about 11 a.m japan time so it was in the baking heat it's been about 38 degrees here and typical brit abroad i have caught the sun shall we say that's how you put it kindly when you sort of go red on your on your outer arm and around your neck isn't it i caught the sun but yeah devastating wasn't it i know that for many of you Wrexham fans, it was waking up to the news of Paul Mullins' injury for me. I very much lived through it as well, just as, as Nate will have done, as as a lot of you will have done as well, and has left this dilemma now of, of what we do ahead of next season. For me, I just think that in a crude way, that it could maybe push us towards what we need to do anyway. I've sort of been a pessimist as, as you all know, and I'm trying to change that, I'm trying to be an optimist, but I've always said that, you know, what what if Mullen gets injured? I know that's hypothetical. Any team will say, if our best player gets injured, then we're going to have a drop-off in replacing him because that is by default one makes poor Mullen so good. But I do think that Wrexham have always struggled to have someone in his same sort of, sort of mould. Uh, staff I've always been impressed with, but I think he needs to be sort of non-league level, have a good season out on loan there. I'd be really interested to see how he does sort of like, an ultra sort of level i must be on commission for the amount of times i mentioned about this podcast but i'd like to see him sort of play for one of those mid-table teams in the national league and just see how how he fares really waters i think is decent but we need better than decent if we want to get promoted next season it's just not good enough to have someone who's all right i know he's doing good in the national league he's done okay in the football league if our ambition is to get promoted, for me, I think we need someone who's a bit more proven at Football League level as, as a replacement, as we've done at, at, at defence, really. The move for Boyle, who's come from the Championship, when our defence is already stacked. For me, that's the type of play you have to buy to, to not replace Mullen, but to give him direct competition. Imagine a world where Paul Mullen isn't guaranteed to start for Exxon. And that sounds ludicrous, but that is kind of the world we live in now with Aaron Hayden, O'Connell, Tunnicliffe. These amazing players are not guaranteed to start anymore because Boyle's there, got Tozer already, you have got Clewer at the club as well. There's probably someone else I'm missing out because we've got so much quality there. I think it needs to be the same in attack really, and right now I just don't think we've got that. Waters is is decent. I think he was a good Mullen backup while we we're in the in the non in non league, but I think football league across a at least a forty six game season in the in the league and then you have got all the cup games as well. I do think we maybe need. To, something extra as well. And that's because if Staff has got on loan, I don't think Waters and Muller maybe is enough as that that actual sort of goal-scorer goal scorer striker. I think Palmer and Dolby both good enough. Well, you know, for, for the target man, giving us that physicality in the forward line, but I think we need something else. I guess the ultimate question is, is, who do we go for? I know Norwood is probably a popular choice, someone that a lot of fans would want to see sign for the club. Whether we can go and actually get him it's difficult again it's also I, I say the difficulty of convincing someone to come to and not be guaranteed to play particularly behind paul mullen you know who wants to come and be his backup it's it's a very tough job because no matter how well you do nobody will want you to start over paul mullen but for me why would you not want to join Wrexham? i think almost any player below the championship any striker and a few of them in the championship as well why would they not want to be part of what Wrexham is building right now so in a word, I could have just said, yes, go and buy someone, but seeing that I'm here trying to kill some time as this this flight begins to bore here to South Korea, I would be going I'd get the check checkbook out, get those Disney dollars and trying to buy someone else for the Mullins injury.
3: Um, I guess then the question is, what now, James? What do we do now? Um, we've still got, we've still got Oli Palmer. We've still got Billy Waters, who looked quite lively on the tour. You know, a lot of kind of people excited to see him. Haven't really seen him enough, have we? In, in competitive games, the last little bit of torquay now on the tour, Sam Dolby as well, who we're liking the look of. He's he's really come on leaps and bounds. Jake Bickerstaff is there. I mean, he was left at home off the tour. Looking like he was set for a loan move, is that now going to change for for the for the start of the window, or do you do something else? You know, I I proposed on Twitter that maybe maybe you could try a. I mean, I I doubt it because it would be a change of system, and that's not what Parky's going to do probably just before the season. But I think there's a lot of merit to a an Ollie Palmer focal point with an Elliot Lee and a Jordan Davis off him, and you know, a kind of Andy Cannon, James Jones, Tom O'Connor. Lot of legs in that midfield. You've got two creative players who are better further, for, further forward. You can have great pace out wide. Ollie Palmer is a big target man whose stuff will bounce off and he can bring others into play. That's probably the least likely option. But if we're looking at MK Dons, James, what do you reckon that he's, what do you reckon that we should go with and what do you reckon Parky probably will go with as a, as a pairing up top?
0: I mean, it's the sort of thing where I'm always open to new formations. I'm always one of those people when I watch football. So I think I think your proposed system with Lee and Davis running off Palmer, I think could work. I, I don't think Parkey will do that and I don't think he really should change the way we play because it would be so drastic because then you'd obviously have to go with without the wing backs, you have to have a four in, in defence and then I just I can't see him doing that. But I, I think personally I would say again as you say, we haven't seen him play very much. But I think, obviously, everyone goes on about the last few minutes of Torquay, obviously on the tour as well. I think Waters has looked lively. And I think of all the strikers we've got, he's the most similar to Mullen in terms of stature. Obviously, slightly different in terms of the way they play. But I feel like, I think if you went with Dolby and Palmer, I just, because we haven't really seen them play together too much, have we? Because it's always been usually Mullen with one of Dolby or Palmer. And I think if you were playing I, I don't know, it might work, you know. I am this is why I'm not a football manager. But I think Dolby and Palmer up front, I just feel like it may be too similar. I would probably say I think he'll probably go and this is what I would do, I think he'll go waters with Ollie. I think that's for me that what he's what he's gonna do.
3: Yeah, that, that that seems a consensus. I mean I you know I'm I'm not gonna say I'm the driver, but I'm 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 in the front carriage of the Sam Dolby Express train. Oh you are. Um so it's it is tough for me to I mean I just 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 for just for cause of debate and you can get in touch Rob at gmail.com. For cause of debate, I'm gonna go that he should go with Dolby and Waters, which I don't think he'll do, but I, I think he probably does go with Waters and Palmer, but I'm gonna give you a reason why. Sam Dolby is looking in impeccable shape. I think is he's ascending not that not that Palmer it or is descending, but I think Dolby gives you that hold up. I think he gives you a little bit more in behind. you know we haven't seen that partnership, so you would be going into that Borum wood game um you would be going into that Wood game with with real with kind of real inexperience in terms of the partnership um, Bor
0: wood. We're not in the National
3: League now. Don't at eh? Boreham Wood. I've, I've <laughs> got lost. I'm so, I'm, so del- I'm so deluded that by the injury. MK Dons, you can keep me straight. We're going into that MK Dons game. And I think what, what I will say, James, is that last game against Philadelphia Union, which is out on Saturday. God, I'm still thinking about Boreham Wood. Maybe non-league's living rent-free in my head. Um, we've got to sort of see whatever... I think whatever we see play 65, 70 minutes there is what we're going to... I think you have to sort of see... If he's going to go with Ollie and he's going to go with Dolby, if he's going to go with Ollie, he's going to go with Waters. Play it. You, you, I know there's the, the fear now that oh god, what if you know another one of them gets injured? You can't think like that. You have to play them together. Just give them, try and give them 75, 80. You've got to give them something because the MK Don's are going to be waiting. They're licking their lips. That and look, here's the pros. The pro for Ollie Palmer is he's probably the biggest target we've got in terms of aerial ability. You've got Barnett. You've got Mendy. They are both great at crossing the ball on the move, on the run. Um, we saw Mendy cross for um Dolby's goal, the the third goal against Man United. Barnett's obviously looked top class on the tour. Olly Palmer's, I think, taken a while to get into the games, but I thought he looked good against Man United. I thought he I know he was against younger defenders, but I think he looked pretty good there. And um yeah, I mean and also with some, you know, with Palmer's experience, maybe you need that. Maybe you need that up there. I know Billy Waters is is not, you know, a young kid, and and Dolby isn't. It would be harsh. You have, whichever one of them gets left out, I think it would be harsh. But you know, we're potentially out of, out without Mullin for six weeks. And I guess the alternative, James, is do you need to go and get somebody in? Do, you know, Par- Parky said not interested in loans. Don't want them. Don't don't see the value in it really. Said that just before the Man United game. I'm not so sure that this one thing will change his mind, um, but it'll be interesting if it does because there's been talk of James Norwood. There's been talk of, before he signed for Charlton, there was Alfie May and others. Nick Powell could have played up there. So it's not like a strike has not been mooted already. How do you see it? Do you want another body in even though Mullen is returning or do you think that's then just too many too many cooks and spoiling the broth a little bit?
0: I think of, of all the positions, because obviously we've been talking about this um, in terms of just sort of who we're who we going to sign. Obviously, we've brought in Boyle. Yeah, that's all we've done so far. But I think I think they've obviously been looking at trying to sign a striker. You know, obviously, these are just rumours that you're saying, like Alfie May and obviously Nick Powell as well. But there seems to be some substance to both of those, especially. So I think whether or not it's a, it's a case of their really, really talented players and it's almost like, well, if we can get them, let's get them because they're not going to make the team worse. Or a case of Parkey really wanting a striker, I'm not quite sure. But I think if anything, this probably will,
3: you know, it's going to maybe
0: accelerate that process if that's something that has been discussed and is being explored. Personally, I think, I don't think we need to sign another striker necessarily. I, I certainly wouldn't complain if someone comes in who's got a scoring record of 15, 20 goals a season in League Two level or above. But I think I think it's a case of not panicking. I mean, has shown the time we've had him in charge. He, he doesn't really panic. You know, like, for example, at the beginning when it wasn't really working with his system, he, he kept kept with it. And I think, yeah, to see him go out and, and sign a striker either permanently or on an emergency loan, I just don't think is, is his style. I just, just don't think he'll do it.
3: No, and I think, yeah, I, I, what I would say is I think having slept on it, because I, I you know, I labelled the Mullin injury a disaster. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not shirking that. For me, the worst case scenario was coming out of that game with, you know, an injury to Toza, um, Lee, O'Connor, or Mullin. So one of those spine gone down that would have been for me worst case scenario. That happened obviously in Mullin. But I think when when you look at it on reflection, and before I'm going to run through in a minute, because people have been asking about, you know, how how does it work? It's not just a case of going and adding another striker. I mean, you've got a 22-man squad limit over the age of 21, of which we're already at capacity. So there's going to have to be some movement in and out if you do go and get somebody. But there are are goals in this team, aren't there, James? Beyond Mullin, obviously Mullin will get a lot, but, you know, Palmer, Waters, Dolby um Lee Davis um O'Connor's you know knows where the goal is Hayden as we saw you know back on top with his head again um you know there are others in this team Barnett we were hoping he'll chip in with a few more Mendy obviously that goal against Notts County we know he can chip in we're far from collapse because Mullen's gone down isn't it you know I, I think we we also need to not not sort of scare-monger that, that the end is near and, you know, the iceberg's approaching, basically.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I think it's the sort of thing where it's like, um, you know, not to sort of, I'm not in the nature of comparing injuries, but you'd like to think that, I mean, I'll say I'm not an expert, but you'd like to think that, that Mullen will recover from it and then that's kind of it. It's not like it's going to be a re- reoccurring thing, say, for example, if he you know done like a, a hamstring or, you know, he's at ACL or something like that, that could maybe lead to, to longer-term issues. Um, as I say, I'm not an expert, so I might be wrong, but I think yeah, like we're not a one man team. Obviously, Mullin is, is the poster boy; he's the guy that everyone who doesn't really follow Rex know knows who he is. He's obviously the main player. Obviously, top scorer past two seasons. I cut. You can't say we're going to miss him, but it's not like the rest of the team is is not able to find the back of the net. It's not like we didn't score the amount of goals we scored last season. So I think. And the thing as well is, obviously, the first few weeks in League Two, I know all the players have played at that level or above before, but I think it will take maybe a, a little bit of adjustment. And I think I wouldn't really begrudge if if we maybe started. Obviously, I don't want to start slowly, but you look at Stockport last season. I think I'm right in saying that they were kind of mid-table for for a while, and then they kind of turned it on towards the end and built up the head of steam and got that form that got them into the playoffs. So I, I think, yeah, like you say, I think. In the spur of the moment, much like we said about Parky's reaction, it is kind of a case of going, "Oh God, it's the end, end end of the world?" But I think we'll we'll ride it out, and I think I don't think it will cause any real issues long term at all.
3: No, and I, I put out a tweet saying, "You know, they're going to be plenty of Mullin chat," which we've already said, and I quickly will say we have seen that thumbs up from Mullin from his hospital bed saying, "You know, thanks for all the messages. All good here. The noises around it so far have been pretty positive." You know, not worse than they feared, or that's always the nightmare when they say well, it's worse than we feared. And it, it sounds like it it is what it is, the punctured lung. They're hoping it's a, just a small kind of puncture and it it can heal relatively quickly. But I put I put out a tweet saying, you know, give us your thoughts. What do you think? You know, James has gone with um Palmer and Waters. I've I've for argument's sake gone with Dolby and Waters. So this is what you said. So Canadian Red Dragon said there was a discussion of signing a striker prior to the moon injury I think this puts it at an immediate need. Tim Burke has put, I like the idea of playing two creators with Palmer as a focal point. It would mean um, a change in shape if Palmer was to be sub there, which yeah, in-game adjustments are not ideal. Um, MB, uh, FPL Bowen 20 put, billion Ollie for me. Dolby needs to be integrated, however, whether off the bench or the odd start ahead of either of those. The more we talk about the possibilities and time passing, and Mullen recovers, could easily be back in six weeks. Um, Dan has just put Norwood, uh, which Joe has put, new centre forward needs to come in. The rest are great squad players, but we need another talisman, i.e. Norwood. Um, Sam has put, need another striker. If we had to go with what we have, then it's Dolby and Waters for me. Um, Mikey's But problem with going after and buying someone new is, the Wrexham tax has now gone up again. It was high before Mullen's injury, and it'll be even worse now. Personally, I'd hold off, not panic, and play Billy off of Palmer or Dolby. Let's get a couple... More um, Rex May FC presented by the Giraffe Kings Network. What a username! But silver lining. If this happened in Feb, we'd be done for. There was no, there was a need for another top striker with Ollie Faden last year. No doubt Parky was given a budget. Expect now for Robin Ryan to increase that budget. As last night proved, this is a really good team, and we need to push on. Um, what else have we got here? than Daniels. But from another perspective, heard rumours that some strikers have declined interest because they don't want to ride the bench. Without Mullin for a bit, are we now a more enticing prospect? Or do the same players think our current squad is still too strong to consider? It's an interesting one, isn't it, isn't it, James? Finally, on that, because Yeah, ultimately, players don't want players of caliber to Paul Mullin or above, if you're aiming to get better than what we have, don't want to come and ride the bench. Previously they would have thought, well, Mullen's unmovable. You know, he's definitely going to play probably Palmer, club record signing, is going to play. What Do you think, I mean, I'm not sure it's it's a much more attractive prospect than it was. I think it was already a fairly attractive prospect anyway. If a player's that good, they'll relish the competition. But I wouldn't say necessarily with Mullin out for a couple of weeks, it's suddenly become a, a much more exciting op- option. Do you?
4: No,
0: I mean, I think the thing as well is obviously, like you say, when he's fit, Mullin is... An immovable object, really, in terms of the team sheet, you're not going to drop him for anybody. So it's the sort of thing where if we were looking at signing a striker, or we are looking at signing a striker, it wouldn't really be a replacement for Mullin. I'd feel it would be somebody to go in there alongside him in, in the Dolby Palmer role. And then if you bring them in and then play them, you know, say for argument's sake, someone who's six foot three, six foot four, alongside Palmer or Dolby. I'd, you kind of have the situation of why, in that case, why didn't you just play Dolby and Palmer? Um, and I think the, the other thing as well, I think for me, the bottom line is if we don't play Billy Waters now, what's the point in having him? You know, people were saying last season about, it was. I think it was always becoming a little bit of a joke of why is he not playing? Where is he? And then we he comes on and talks and everyone sort of thinks, oh, he is actually real. But I feel now, if, you, if you're not going to use him now, then is there really any point in having him? You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you. If you're not going to use him now, then what will we do? And this is what I'm going to do before we move on to um, some talking points from the tour. This is Wrexham's squad, as things stand, over the age of 21, 22-man squad. To give you an idea, doesn't include goalkeepers. Everybody else, it will include. So look, I'll give you a number. So number one, in no particular order of these, by the way, number one, Ben Tozer, Owen O'Connell, There's two. Aaron Hayden, Jordan Tonicliffe, Will Boyle, that's five centre-backs there. Mendy, Jacob Mendy, Callum McFadzean, Ryan Barnett, Bryce Hosanna, Anthony Ford. There's your wing-backs included. That's 10. Luke Young, James Jones, Andy Cannon, Elliot Lee, Jordan Davis, Tom O'Connor, Liam McAlinden. That takes you to 17 with your central midfielders. We'll get on to McAlinden as a central midfielder shortly. And you've got Paul Mullen, Oli Palmer, Sam Dolby, Billy Waters, Jake Bickerstaff. That takes you to 22 now. You know, there could be a Jake Bickerstaff loan. Could be, you know, a move out for. I mean, who knows? That there's talk of chasing another left wing back. What would that mean for McFadden? Um, you know, w- w- there's 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 others in there that maybe, you know, do they do they get moved on? Do they get loaned out? You'd notice that there isn't a an Aaron James and Max Kluwerth and, and people like that in there right now. They're under the age bracket, but there's not a lot of room for manoeuvre in there in terms of the 22. There's not a lot in there that you would say are on the move. Uh, and so I think, you know, Parky said he would like a couple more. That's what he said ahead of the Maniac press conference. Not that, many, not, not that much room to do so, James. There's going to have to be a couple go. If there's going to be a couple coming, there's going to be a couple going. And and uh, and and it's not super clear to see, maybe apart from bigger staff, not super clear to see what where those, where those ins and outs are coming from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there really is, like you say, obviously such small room for manoeuvre. Um, I mean, obviously, that like you said, we're going to get on it about McElindon being in centre mid and Bryce at centre back. But I, I don't know, not to speculate, but if that's perhaps the thinking is, well, they're the ones he's maybe looking to move on. Let's try them in another position just to, to see could they be an asset in terms of being a versatile player to, to step in. And come in if there's an injury crisis. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think like you say, it's, it's the sort of thing where not only is it such a small room for manoeuvre in terms of people coming in, but I can't really look at anyone in that squad and say, I mean, I can't imagine anybody want to leave. But in terms of us wanting to move them on, there's not many players in, in that team that if you said to the average Rexham fan, who would you remove from your squad, you know, at the drop of a hat, you wouldn't have that many names. So I think I think it's something that, obviously, transfer Wind has still got quite a while to run. But I think it's going to be interesting to see, especially with, with the situation now with the strikers, what we do do. Because, as you say, there isn't a massive amount of room to manoeuvre alone, is there?
3: Right then, talking points from the tour. So, some of these, some of these that I've been out there, some of them that we've just seen, you know, while we've been kind of following from back here. Last night's game, Bryce Hosanna being tried at centre back. Now, versatility obviously is a great tool when you when you are limited in your squad size. I mean, we've got a lot of options there. It, what do you think is the thinking there? I mean, they obviously got the opportunity to do so. Jordan Tonicliff injured. Um, Bryce is obviously struggling to get in as a right wing back. Barnett and, and Ford are, are there. Maybe they don't fancy him on the left so much. I mean, you've got Mendy McFadden, you'd probably say ahead of him. But this is Bryce, one of the fittest in the squad. He won the bleep test. Highly thought of he's been putting all the promotional materials for the kits and everything. So they're clearly not pushing him out the door. And it's one where, you know, are we seeing a, a young centre-back in a back three be developed in front of our eyes?
0: I hope so, yeah. I mean, it's the sort of thing where, like you say, he's a very, very fit player. um, And obviously, with the way he plays, traditionally being a wing-back, if you moved him into a back three, he's obviously got the ability to get around. And, you know, he's no slouch, is he? So I think, and also he's a good defender. So I think it's the sort of thing where it is really interesting. I mean, obviously, pre-season, these sorts of games don't mean anything. So it allows you to have a bit more experimentation. Obviously, you see every team try things that they wouldn't really try in a competitive game. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little bit stumped by it. I'm not really too sure what the thinking is behind it, because especially then when you go through and list all of our centre-backs, obviously, there's the, the five senior ones you've listed plus Max. So it's kind of like when you've already got six centre-backs and we play only play three, I, yeah, I, I don't really know what the thinking is behind it. I, I think maybe, maybe he just kind of wanted to get him in the team and and thought we can't really play wing-back because I've got two wing wing-backs on either side. I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just a way to shoot. It's him in. it's
3: a head scratcher for sure. I mean, I thought for yeah, I thought for what it's worth, I thought Bryce held his own. I thought he looked at, looked fine. Um, you know, we are talking again. You know, we're not talking a, a lead to attack here. You know, we're we're talking youngsters that that he is going to be able to match stride for stride pace wise and, and are gonna typically struggle in the final third. But centre backs are the are the interesting one going into that in into the season opener because we've rattled off, you know, Will Boyle's come in, Ben Tozer you'd feel like it's an absolute shoe-in. Some say maybe he's not the shoe-in you saw Rowan O'Connell start at the centre of a back three. I still think Ben tozer is a shoe in there. What what's that back three for you going into the season? Because, I mean, for me, it has to include Aaron Hayden. I think you saw that against, I know it was against Man United, again, as the caveat, but he offers you a, a threat. And I know we haven't seen enough of Will Boyle yet, but Hayden offers you a threat that few of the other defenders offer you. And, and if I look at it, Hayden probably offers you the best threat in the air. Owen O'Connell's probably the most comfortable on the ball. Max probably accepts that he is not, first choice right now. Toza gives you the throw. Will Boyle has dropped down from the Championship for a reason. He's got pedigree played. Tonicliff is injured right now, and so that kind of takes him out of the equation. But going into that season opening, it feels like we kind of got four going for three. And uh, and as we know, four does not fit into three. So wh- wh- who, are you, who are you leaving out and who are you having that tough conversation with?
0: I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I think... I think, like you say, I'm very much in in the camp of you have to play Hayden. I think anyone who says, you know, you can look at it and say, oh, we, we went up at the end of last season, Hayden wasn't playing. If you don't play Hayden, to me, I think that's just stupid. I think Hayden has to be in there. He's obviously had time to recover. He's obviously now back to fitness. So I think, for me, he's got to be in there. I think just purely because of his left footedness I've not watched Wilbo play at all for us um, given the, the games he's had so far but I think just given his left footedness you have to play him obviously with Tunnicliffe being injured it's kind of like you'd imagine he will play and then I don't see him dropping toza. To I, I think just that threat from from set pieces I know we didn't utilise it as much last season as in the first season of having it but I just think you can't take that out of the squad for me yeah um, I just think it would it would be silly, um, but then yeah, like you say, it is an, it is an issue because O'Connell is is equally a very good defender. I was very impressed with him in second half of last season. He's looked all right in pre-season, again, with the caveat of the teams we're playing against. I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's it's certainly a very difficult decision to be made. Um, what would you what would you go with them? Because yeah, I, I can't fathom it. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, good job. Good We're not putting you in charge of the team selection. You'd be dithering on it for between now and the MK Dons game. They wouldn't. The, the lads wouldn't know, would they? They'd be like saying, "Gaffer, we need we need the team." You're like, "You're all great." I'm. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll be honest with you, lads. I'm. I'm not sure. For me, I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick my neck on the line and say. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm I, I. I would probably go. Boyle, Tozer, Hayden. I'd love it if I could play O'Connor off the left side. I know that's just. Playing fantasy football, basically. at That point, I, I get that it is kind of O'Connell or Hayden. I just can't put a team out without Aaron Hayden. And I just think, yes, O'Connell is better on the ball, but Hayden is is such a threat from set pieces. And I think with Mullen out of the team, I actually, think we'll need set pieces a lot more. I Think we'll need bigger bodies. In there. And then you know, Owen O'Connell's hardly Billy Waters, is he? But you know, I think I think Aaron Hayden has got to play. And maybe a final talking point. I mean, a quickly from me that the tour was amazing. All the people that I met on the tour, absolutely incredible. And, you know, really throwing themselves into it. So one of the talking points for me was just Wrexham fever. I've seen it firsthand. It exists. It's real. It's only going to get more crazy. You know, being in LA driving down towards the LA angel stadium, Anaheim, and you're seeing the, the, the big billboards off the freeway, um, you know, welcome to Wrexham. That's amazing. Um, I guess the other one then, the, the main one that came out of it for me, is Liam McAlinden in central midfield. I was kind of cursing under my breath when I saw that against Man United, and then he whips in the cross for a, little, a beautiful ball in. It's a funny one because we haven't really seen... He hasn't had many highlight moments, Liam McAlinden. We think of that tackle against Stockport, which led to the Mulling goal in the FA Trophy. He's had some impacts off the bench. I remember Wealdstone away when I think Resor Johnson scored Um, that last-minute win. I know made an impact that day as well off the bench. Do you think that's a shot window or do you think that's maybe we're not getting another central midfielder and McClendon's in there as a retrain and a bit like Bryce, just kind of cover. Not going to play much, but if he does, that's the role he's going to play.
0: Yeah, I think that's very much the role he'll play. I mean, given the fact he signed a new contract, I'd be very surprised if he he does go. Um, But I think he's just one of those players who just gives you the option that, Whilst you say, with all respect, he may not have that many standout moments, he's always going to be able to come in and pretty much play any position. I mean, I remember when we signed him, I was confused when I first started seeing him playing as a, as a left wing back because I remember when he played for Exeter when I was down there at uni and he was a striker. So, I mean, maybe that's a, the way we solved the striker issue with out, Put McIlindon up front, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I, I think... Yeah, I think he can play anywhere, really, can't he? Um, I think that's why he's in the squad. That's why Parkey wants him around. Um, I'd be surprised if, if he plays there regularly. But I think it's just, again, like I say, with, with Bryce at centre-back, it's just having the ability in pre-season, having the licence to experiment a little bit, just so that you can, you can say, if the issue does arise, we need a central midfielder, we've got three or four midfielders out, we need someone to step in he's able to do that.
3: Right, Wrexham's women, they've had their fixtures come out for the first season in the Adran premiere. Now, Wrexham have got lofty ambitions, top four they're aiming for, but I don't really know enough. I'm, I'm going to have to hold my hands up. I don't know enough about the new signings, about the teams, you know, Ponte Pre United. I've got some work to do, I've got some studying up to do. But I thought I would get the help of Megan Faringa. She's been on the podcast before, um, you know, when we played Britain Ferry in that playoff game, when we played Connors and the owners were over. So she has taught me through the fixtures, who to look out for, and how Wrexham could get on with some of their new signings. Right, if you've listened a while, and I know when I was in America, a few of you have been a long-time listeners, you will know that we got Megan on previously to talk about the women's team. We know they're going to be a prominent feature in the documentary that we now know is going to be out in early September. Firstly, Megan, Women's World Cup as well on now. How are you? Very busy, I imagine.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, I'm stupidly busy. I'm also preparing to stay up till 2 a.m. tonight to watch USA versus Netherlands. So you've caught me at a good time. If you caught me tomorrow, I probably would have been talking like total craziness, but yeah, it's a good day.
3: Well, look, when I was in the States, a lot of excitement about, uh, I mean, they're expecting a final for sure over there. And I know a lot of the the listeners are expecting a final, expecting, expecting maybe USA, England. We'll see. But we're talking, we're talking about the fixtures have just come out the day we're speaking on Wednesday. The fixtures have come out for Adran premier, Rex and women going into their first campaign in that. What are Wrexham likely... Well, firstly, to explain to the listeners, there's a phase one and phase two. If anyone's not familiar with that, what is that about? Why, why is there a kind of two split there?
4: Yeah, so the FAW have introduced a phase one, phase two, and they sort of restructured the top flight of the Welsh, of Welsh football for the women's game. Um, and I can't really tell you why they decided to do that. They felt like it would make things a little bit more competitive because in a lot of times with women's football, especially in the top flight, there has been a pretty big chasm between the top teams and the bottom teams. So sort of to help make things more competitive and to maybe not make those bottom teams have to continuously play the best ones. They've created a phase one and a phase two. So essentially the teams get split up right down the middle, four up top, four up bottom. Um, And in phase two, the top four teams are basically competing for that top spot and the bottom four teams are competing to not be relegated essentially so Wrexham from what I've been told they're really looking at that top four spot and they think realistically they can do it and for me personally that should be their ambition that should be their aim um we'll get into transfers and stuff but already they've kind of shown that that is what their ambition is but that top four spot is extremely important because the last thing Wrexham wants to do is get into a relegation scrap in the final section or the in the the second half of the season they want to be in that top four and anything can happen. Um, Cardiff City is are the reigning world reigning world champions look at me are the reigning champions for the top flight currently um, and but you've also got Swansea City, TNS who've shown a lot and and Cardiff met. so those four teams are gonna be wreck some sort of biggest competition in terms of making the top four for phase two.
3: And look, I mean, if we're looking, you just rattled off a few there. I mean, September 17th, the Adran Premier opener. So anyone who wants to follow the women's team a lot more, we're expecting to see a spike, you would hope, in attendances and, and things like that once the documentary is out and, and all the attention Rob and Ryan are putting on the women's team. Swansea City at home. I mean, that is, I mean, you just rattled off a few there. That is a, a tricky opener. Welcome to the Adran Premier.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. In In a home match too, so... I don't expect a lot of Swansea City fans to maybe make the trip up to Wrexham, but I do think that you'll see a a big turnout for Wrexham and they're going to really push that. They're going to want a huge home support. And for Wrexham personally, I think that this is one of the better opening games that they could have. Swansea City have not been up to maybe par in the last two years. They've definitely sort of fallen from maybe the heights that they were at, but they're a really good barometer for Wrexham. This game is going to show exactly maybe where Wrexham currently are and where they need to be. And if Wrexham start off the season with, let's say they get a win against Swansea, that is a huge statement to the rest of the league that while they are sort of the Hollywood team, all of these teams want to get a scalp on Wrexham now. That is, yeah, that's just sort of obvious. But if Wrexham come in and put in a comprehensive performance against Swansea, they're telling the rest of the league, hey, we're not just pushovers and we're not just the Hollywood glamour team. We actually are here to play football. And for me, it's a, it's a fantastic opener for Wrexham. There's so much potential in terms of gaining momentum, making sure that they understand what the, what sort of their level is and where their growth is needed. Um, but yeah, in terms of making a statement for the rest of the league, that Swansea opener should be really exciting.
3: One of the things we saw in, in the offseason was getting a lot of the players, a lot of the women, you know, congratulations to all them, we've already gone over who they are previously in other episodes, but they got semi-pro deals, and I think that was really important, a next step, because when we're looking at this fixture list, Swansea, Pontypridd United, United, Barrytown, both of those away, then we're playing Cardiff City at home, then Aberystwyth away, so a lot lot more travel, a lot more miles on the road for these girls now go, going into a season where it's not Connors Key, maybe it's not, you know, kind of Bangor and all these l- more local teams, it's so a lot of games in South Wales.
4: Yeah, exactly. And actually last season, CNS were the only North Wales representatives in the top flight. So Wrexham have now sort of gotten to shoulder that responsibility. But like you said, it also means a lot to travel. And, you know, it's great to have Swansea City and Cardiff City at home in the first as like the first thing, but then they have to go away to both of those, both those teams towards the end of the season, which is going to be really tough and a huge ask, um, especially with a lot of these girls who are now semi-pro. You know, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for them to balance out their their schedules, but I think the semi-pro status that Wrexham have given a lot of these players, it's it's a sign that they're there to support them, they're there to back them, and they're very serious about this upcoming season. And you've already seen other clubs follow suit. Cardiff City were very quick to show, like, not only have they done this, but they're also, you know, trying to match Wrexham's speed and pace in which they're going the game. TNS, I think they're not very far behind. They should be announcing pretty soon that they're going to go into it, and I wouldn't be surprised if Swansea follows. So it's... It's huge at Wrexham have done, um, but I think they're just getting started in terms of sort of leading the the top flight into a new direct, direction.
3: You know, and, and like we've seen with, with the kind of the first season of the documentary, people are getting very attached to certain players, and I know that will happen with the women's team that we've seen, but it is important. We've seen two sign-ins already, Karen Allen, and I'm definitely going to get this wrong now, but um, Hannah Kirchner, how are we going to say that? How are we going to say her name? Caryacropolis.
4: I was going to go with Carrie. Yeah, <laughs> Kerry Acropolis was WSL. <laughs> but
3: right. So yeah. we've so we've made two signings there, both of which have got WSL experience, or or, or they've played at a high standard. And I think as much as we're wedded to our kind of you know local girls and and that team, we we have to we have to strengthen, don't we? We have to sort of step it up if we want that, not just to play in the Adron Premier to get that top four spot, as you were saying.
4: Yeah, the, these are both two phenomenal signings. When I saw them come off, I kind of gave Rex a, a, a clap, honestly. like it, It's fantastic. Um, Karen Allen, she's only 25, and yet the experience that she has is is really good. She's had back-to-pack promotions with Stourbridge FC, who she's now coming from. So they, she originally was playing in Tier 3 of the English Pyramid, which in terms of standard and caliber is is quite high. So she's coming in at 25. She's young, but she's got loads of experience, so she's going to push a lot of those girls. And the 29-year-old, um, I'm just cariocopolis, I'm going to say that's so I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but Welsh International, she's 29. But she's, again, Birmingham City, Liverpool. That WSL experience is so, so important when you're coming into sort of another, a very different type of top flight. But a lot of these girls, you know, they've got experience previously in their XM squad. They, they've been around. But these two additions are sort of going to bring maybe like a new dimension, if you will, like kind of. Maybe raise the standard and the bars and, and training and those kinds of things. When you bring in WSL caliber into the top flight of the Welsh in, of the Welsh top flight, it's it's just a different ball game. So I'm really excited to see kind of how Wrexham evolve with those two players. And it should be also be said, delth Morgan goalkeeper, she's also going to be helping out with Liverpool's coaching at uh, the women's the women's coaching at Liverpool. So she's going to be balancing both of those things, which I've been told isn't going to be a problem. She can do both of them. So that's another like you know reason why Delph Morgan is so amazing. But that's also going to help Wrexham a lot because that can only, you know, strengthen Delph Morgan and then thus strengthen Wrexham.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're thinking back to the Britain Ferry game where she had the, I mean, you were there, she was had the game of her life. I mean, you know, that was amazing. And, um, you know, and, and that kind of added on to the Connors Key game as well, where we broke yeah, the attendance record, and that was really good and, you know, owners on the pitch. But one of the things I'm thinking about, maybe this is, we'll put throw this to you as the, as the last question is, how important do you think this could be? Into not just Wrexham going up, but all the attention that will come with this women's team in the next six months. In terms of, like I say, you're gonna have the documentary. You've got Robin Ryan actively pushing this team. Steve Dale's got plenty of resources behind him. I mean, from the Adran League's perspective, this is a you know we saw what happened with the National League. It was global attention. You know, people coming on here saying, "I now like follow following End or "I'm keeping an eye on XYZ," for. Pontypridd and Cardiff and Swansea and it's a real opportunity to to get a lot more eyeballs on on a league that probably isn't isn't getting the attention it probably deserves.
4: Yeah, and that's the positive way of looking at this. I know a lot of other rival teams and oppositions are going to just be, you know, rolling their eyes like, great, Wrexham are here. They're going to take all the fans. Everyone's going to want to support them. But when you do think about it, the Adron premier has not gotten the attendance and the eyes that it's needed. While women's football has grown dramatically in Wales and England, you haven't seen that translate in the top flight of the women's game. And it's actually kind of disappointing. When I went to that Britain Ferry game, the Britain Ferry fans who were there in the corner, Fantastic. But they were still a small contingent. Wrexham fans outnumbered them at least two to one. And that needs to grow and that needs to change. And I do think Wrexham are going to encourage people through the gates. And then maybe they'll stay. Maybe they'll say, actually, I want to come and support Rodzi freed next season. I want to or next game and next week. And that's the positive way of viewing this and looking at this. And I think a lot of people around the FAW and around Wales are really excited about what Wrexham can sort of bring the top flight and bring women's football in, in Wales. Like I, I personally think it's going to bring it to a new level and it's going to inspire a lot of young girls and a lot of older girls and a lot of men to get involved and to come watch women's football. So I'm personally super excited. I hope that Rob and Ryan continue to support the women's team as much as they have been because like I've said it before, but Rob's American, Ryan's Canadian, both of those teams are at the Women's World Cup right now. It would be really nice in four years to see Wales also like represented there. And I think that these are baby steps towards Wales growing to be that nation that can be represented at a Women's World Cup.
3: Right, James, let's wrap this up then because um, we don't want to be all doom and gloom. Let's, let's try and end on a positive. Paul Mullins out injured, but how are you feeling going into the new season? I mean, League Two's got about 12 teams that all think they're going to win the league. We've got to be in that mix. We're going to be the, the big scalp still. You know, I think everyone else is quite grateful that Wrexham are going to be there as, as the target to go at. You've obviously got your season ticket again, which is the the, the Willy Wonka Charlie in the Chocolate Factory golden ticket in uh British football right now. How, how are you feeling about it? How are you to to sign us that how how are you feeling about the season ahead? You you feeling pretty confident?
0: I, I am, but it's the sort of thing where, as you know, I am a pessimist in, in every aspect, um, <laughs> really when it comes to us, even even now. Um I think we'll be up there. Um, but I think, like you say, there's it's it's just too early to say, isn't it, in terms of there's, there's so many teams that have, have brought in players that, that look good. There's so many teams that think they're going to do well. Obviously, we know firsthand how Notts and, and Stockport are two teams that we've had our battles with the past two years. I think they'll both be up there. I, I'm, ju- I'm just excited, really. I, it's just the little things of just being able to go to grounds that, our actual, with all respect to some teams in the National League, our actual football league grounds. I know there's some big grounds now in non-league, but just to be able to go there and just the little EFL branding, not to have to see any more of those Vanarama thumbs up um, and just being in the League Cup, just little things like that. I just think it's going to be fantastic. And it's it's the sum total of of obviously everything that Rob and Ryan have done and and the past 15 years of misery in, in non-league. So,
3: I am excited. You're excited. Yeah. he's excited. I'm, I'm cutting off. He's <laughs> excited. I'm excited. Even though Paul Mullins um in a hospital bed somewhere uh, on the west coast of California. Get well soon, Paul. Uh wishing you all the best. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll parky in parky we trust, as Rich always says. Um thank you for listening. Get in touch. Rob Ryan Red, we're nearly at thirty five thousand on Twitter, which is great. Appreciate all that support. Um And next week will be our big season preview. So we'll have a lot of people, hopefully a couple of people that a couple of the big shots that have been over in America will come on, have a chat. We'll speak to some MK Don's experts and give them a load of grief about Graham Alexander and their squad and what they're expecting at the race course. Um, And you can get in touch on email, robbrownred at gmail.com. Rich will be back eventually when that is. I've forgotten the date, but he'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. As always, this is brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Uh, the stings you heard in between the segments—they are from Rex and bass band Hypnotic. Thanks to James, I'm going to thank myself as well. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been supporting from America and back at home, and we will see you again next time.
1: It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com